0: Welcome to the Connect Together podcast put on by the Industrial Solutions Network uh, group of locations. And this is Justin Brunkin, your host. This episode, we're going to have a guest on talking about uh, his project with uh, HMIs. And we're going to talk a little bit about HMIs and and how integral they are to uh, what smart manufacturing is moving forward. HMIs or Human Machine Interfaces. We all know them. We all see them in the uh, facilities out there. Um, they come a long way, but basically, you know, it's you know modern day is a touchscreen operator, uh, basically that visualizes what your process and operation is, and and helps you control it, uh, basically by uh, the software that's on the HMI. So, yeah, the HMI itself is you know a touchscreen, but it is nothing without the software that goes on it. At the beginning of HMIs, it's, um, they had a, a network of push buttons that, one, only really helped control the process and the machines. Um, number two, they started adding visualization um, in the software that's so critical to what HMIs are today. Uh, they could visualize the process on a screen and control it via keypad, um, different operations. And then the next step was really um, creating a touch screen where you can visualize it, and which makes everything a little bit more versatile on how it's uh, used and operated. Until then, You know, where it comes into how critical it is with uh, smart manufacturing today is that even if you grab the data from all your machines and components and sensors and smart sensors uh, through a uh, PLC, they have to go somewhere to be used. And, you know, an HMI is where the data goes that can be compiled and now put into uh, alerts and other sort of real-time graphs and dashboards that you can actually use to control what you're doing in the operation. Um, so they've come a long way. <clears throat> now, if it's all about the software, you know, it's something to look at as a customer out there is that, um, you know, you a lot of these customers have old HMIs in their plant with outdated software that, you know, you can't get any of the data. It's hard to visualize and also have different software packages and, and things going on all around the plant with different HMIs. There's things you can do to help fix that as well with uh, Thing Clients where, you know, you can connect all your HMI uh, interfaces and uh, make updates throughout all of them, all from one centralized area, create users and access to help with security and everything. Uh, so a lot of stuff uh, going on. We're going to talk to um, Ariel Duffy, who's uh, did a whole project like that, to kind of took a look at all the old uh, HMIs out in the world um, at some of his customers in Arkansas, and uh, helped them figure out uh, what upgrades make sense for their operations and and why it makes sense. and uh, He's a great person to interview, and look forward to uh, talking to him as well too. Um, now. The fact that HMIs can, uh, are somewhat forgotten uh, because into smart manufacturing, they talk about all these different components about creating data. Here's all this data. HMIs in the software that's on there, in the visualization software on there, are somewhat forgotten. They're the ones that actually do the data. So people forget to upgrade their HMIs. It is vastly important uh, as you move forward. It's crazy to think of where HMIs have come right now. You can take a look at Rockwell Automation's uh, panel view pluses and their touchscreens, and they're getting better and better, getting more data, real-time alerts and notifications. But I I was just reading um, Rockwell actually has a new strategic partnership with a company called PTC, and they're working on absolutely amazing stuff of where things are going with uh, HMIs and what you can use with this data. I'm sure all of you have heard of uh, augmented reality, and uh, everyone's trying to figure out—you know, this is really cool, but how does it actually work in the industrial world, and what can we do? Well, PTC, in strategic partnership with Rockwell Automation, is actually has uh, software for uh, HMIs and interfaces called ThingWorks Eight. The whole thing is bringing digital and physical together, and. It is crazy. It has amazing analytics. You uh, creating uh, uh, specific custom apps on the interface yourself. Um, it doesn't take any crazy programming to do this. It has machine, amazing machine learning, uh, cloud support, and the crazy thing is all is augmented reality where you can utilize uh, these Microsoft lenses or glasses that actually you can build yourself without much programming, hands-free virtual reality um, of your operation and process where you can do it either there remotely and Instead of on the touchscreen, on very simple sort of graphics and visualization, you can make it into a 3D augmented reality overlaid on top of the actual physical uh, process and control it that way with alarms and training for especially this gap of uh, workforce that you know is tough to train. There's some really cool stuff going on. So, so HMIs, do not forget about those. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff and where they're going. And I really look forward to it. So if you have outdated HMIs or the software on there, we can help with that. And you should uh, look at uh, getting that updated. And uh, and look forward to all the cool stuff that's uh, happening here coming in the future. Um, it's awesome stuff. And it's one of the reasons you know I love being in this industry, to see all the innovation that's happening. Uh, During, you know, for manufacturing and everything. So, you know, speaking of that, we're gonna, you know, um, take some time and uh, we will get REL on the line and we'll talk a a little bit more about uh, HMIs. All right, be right back. All right, welcome back. Welcome to the Connect Together podcast, where we talk about what's happening in the IoT, the electrical world, the manufacturing world, all around the country. And uh, this episode, you know, we're talking about HMIs, past, present, future. And uh, we have a cool guy on this uh, on this episode. His name is Ariel Duffy, out of uh, our Arkansas Keithley Patterson location, specifically Pine Bluff. Uh, he's currently an intern at uh, that location with a really cool background and a really cool project that we want to talk about today. Um, before we get into that, you want to introduce yourself, Ariel?
1: I'm um, sure. Good afternoon. My name is Ariel Duffy, um, intern at KP Pine Bluff. I go to school at University of Arkansas in Pine Bluff. I'm a senior this year. My major is industrial technology management and applied engineering, so it's basically construction, manufacturing, electrical engineering, design, all put into one. Talking about the management aspects of it, um, efficiency, quality control, um, time management, and that kind of thing.
0: That is a legit.
1: Some really interesting projects. That is a legit. Very interesting.
0: Legit major there. Like, do you have to go to school for 10 years for that?
1: You, well, in my case, you have to go for longer (laughs) than four. It's it's rough. But it's definitely worth it. We talk about really interesting things going on in the world right now. Um, My teachers like to say, if you haven't graduated with a job offer waiting for you, that's more than 40,000, we haven't, we haven't done our job properly for you. So I am, yeah, that's, that's hopeful. That's, that's definitely hopeful.
0: To be fair Uh, though. I don't think anybody gets done in four years anymore. I know I didn't.
1: Well, it's interesting. Once I graduate, my emphasis is in manufacturing and in electrical engineering. I want to at some point go into nanotechnology and have a business startup where we design and build our own robot.
0: So, that's an, so interesting, a lot of- that's an interesting background you said you had. So you also worked in, you know, also you're at um, the Keith Lee Patterson location in Pine Bluff, which is part of the Industrial Solutions Network. Um, you also worked sure. at a Jet Propulsion Labs. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. That's uh, that's interesting.
1: Well, I, this isn't my first time going to college. When I first went, I was a theater major. So, a really, really big change in aesthetics. <laughs> Those are
0: exactly the same. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Oh, it's, oh, well, if you're trying to start a business, it's all about talking to people.
0: So. <laughs> Good it's one kind of the same. There you go.
1: But, uh, yeah, but my freshman year, I interned at a company called Jet Propulsion Labs. They're NASA's only robotics contractor. They do all of the mission to Mars things. I actually went into the building where they have all of the feedouts from the satellite. It's very, it's exactly as high tech as you would see in the movie. It's amazing. It's like a situation room. But I worked in the micro devices lab. Um, I got to use a scanning electron microscope. The ones that you see, all of those microscopic images on science um, books, they're they're all taken from the same machine that I was using. So it gets really interesting once you get down to the atomic level. You realize everything's kind of fluid. Everything that they say in California is true.
0: (laughs) I mean, we're, we're really proud of what we do at the Industrial Solutions Network and Keith Lee Patterson about, you know, how we're working with, like, the high-level manufacturing plants around the country. Well, some are high-level. Some, some still need some work. But why did you come to Keith Lee Patterson?
1: Uh, I actually heard about the company. Well, I've seen the company before I've heard about it. I've just about always seen a truck or a building with the name C D and then I went to a job fair this year, and there were some representatives from the Pine Bluff location. And they told me a little bit about what they do, um, working with uh, manufacturers to distribute goods to uh, manufacturing companies on a local level. And once I started working with the company, it it was really... Impressive how many companies we work with just at the location that I'm at they're probably well there are three people in the office right now, including myself but um we we service about a fifty sixty mile radius and we have some we have some really big places and we have some really small places
0: yeah I'm always Fascinated by how much and not too many people know this, uh how much manufacturing there is everywhere mm-hmm. in this country. You everywhere. Know, and, everywhere. Like I was I was I have I also have Columbus, Nebraska in my area, and I was just dumbfounded when I went there and I was talking to Beck and Dickinson up there, and they're saying, Yeah, like 90% of all the needles around the world are manufactured in Columbus, Nebraska. And it was just like That's insane. So it's not like the actual whole syringe, but like the actual needle that goes at the top of the syringe. All of those are made in Columbus, Nebraska, a town of like 20,000. There's so much manufacturing that people never see, and they're all like trying to be as innovative as possible and moving forward and using robots and uh, augmented reality and all this cool stuff to, I don't know, stay ahead of the curve, I suppose. And so it is cool to be a part of that. And this is like some sort of hidden industry that no one really knows about. They they sometimes hear of like uh, the California Silicon Valley, all the stuff going on there, and some of the NASA stuff. But really, you know, in the trenches of what's being done with IoT, it's in these manufacturing plants all over the country, and and especially in Pine Bluff. For
1: sure, for sure. I mean, manufacturing is amazing. Everything that we use today that is not food is has pretty much been manufactured whether it's your cell phone your laptop your pen your notepad everything that's around you is, has been manufactured at some point hey
0: even the food so. <laughs> You should know that yeah, Arkansas yeah, all the all the food. all the chicken you all the chicken you eat probably comes from Arkansas I'm guessing at least most of it
1: Oh yeah one of our <laughs> biggest customers is Tyson Yeah Uh so we, so we I go to the plant just about twice maybe three times a week and it always makes me hungry I don't know about anyone else but it being seeing living food makes me hungry <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, no. We won't get into, like, what it takes to get take it from living to packaged. Uh, uh, that's uh, it's not for the faint of heart, for sure. Yeah, but, that's uh,
1: not art. That's not.
0: <laughs> but uh, let's, let's talk quick about your internship, and then we'll get to your project, um, which is super interesting, sure. which is part of the episode. Um, so top three things from your internship uh, that you experienced, um, you know, that you may not have expected to get out of the job.
1: Um, I did not expect to be able to do as many things for my location as I was going to. Um, Usually when I do an internship, I have to kind of prove myself, you know, unstaple and restaple some things. But here they they threw me right into the thick of it. Uh, I started doing deliveries with the person who worked in the warehouse my first week. I learned a little bit of inside sales. Uh, the The system that we use is really comprehensive, and I didn't think that I would be able to learn as many functionalities as I would. It's it's very comprehensive. net is is huge. You can do anything for the company in there, pretty much. What I what also I was interested in was how, how easy it is for a mistake to be made and it costs somebody a lot of money and really how easy it is to get that fixed as well. It's really, really easy to make a mistake, really easy to get the mistake fixed if you're just honest about it. One of my first deliveries to one of our major companies, I went to the wrong entrance and I was backing out. I didn't turn sharp enough, and I fell into a ditch. <laughs> I was in a ditch for two and a half hours. And you know this is being taped,
0: right? This is out. this is being recorded, right?
1: Oh, oh! Everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was the joke at the office for about a month. <laughs> so, so I have, I have thick skin about that incident.
0: Yeah, right I mean. <clears throat> But I mean, we, the cool thing about, you know, I was an intern too at the beginning and now uh, just kind of doing my thing is it allows you to kind of just do whatever you want and make mistakes. Um, That is the thing that I learned the most is that, you know, they allow you to like, you have an idea of a project that will better our manufacturing clients and customers and like, they'll let you run with it and just try it out and just see Mm -hmm. if that makes sense or not. And if it, if it makes it better for the customer. Yeah. And... Yeah,
1: um, going to the I went to an intern trip just last month, and I thought before I went maybe a week or two before I went that my project was kind of kind of minuscule to the scope of the company. I was completely wrong. Everything that every intern worked on, and we probably had sixteen interns. Every one of them was for an initiative that the company needs improvement on and has been working on improving. And it's it's really impressive the amount of trust that the company puts in the abilities of the interns to to get these projects done because, you know, we're we're always trying to improve, we're always trying to modernize and upgrade our ourselves and our operations and our companies are as well.
0: Yeah, I always think of it as like you know, we're a, so the Industrial Solutions Network is a, a group of about 80 locations around the country, and uh, you guys in Arkansas are part of that, and it's almost like we crowdsource a bunch of ideas, like, throughout the year to see, like, what, which ideas come out as being the best for our customers, and that kind of segues into your project about, like, you know, here's here's a gap that we're trying to do, and we know a lot of our customers are using old HMIs and uh, panel views and what, is, what can we create to help them get to the stuff that they need to get to and uh, modernize their panel views? Um,
1: right. And um, my project is exactly that.
0: <laughs> Sorry, there's uh, still I... your thunder.
1: <laughs> no, you're, you're fine. It's, 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 it was, it's definitely a big need, and I fulfilled at least part of that need one thing that we do when a customer is trying to get repairs for an old hmi is we we find the hmi in the system and we try to create the repairs but we also give them a quote on how they can upgrade especially if it's way past gone there are a lot of different view uh, families in the panel view family There are a bunch of different upgrades that have been going on since they began, I believe in the 80s or 90s. So there are some that are way outmoded. They're running on old operating systems like Microsoft XP, Millennium Edition, things like that. And that doesn't only speak to the HMI. It kind of speaks to their whole system that they have and how their site is running. That's not as efficient as it can be, and that's definitely a liability, especially when you have to replace or remanufacture in older items because those actually cost more than getting a newer item at some point, especially when you know the quality is going to be higher. So what we would do is we would go into one of our tools called Proposal work where we would put in the information for the older panel view and it would kind of spit out a replacement option for you, for the client, of course. And the difficulty is when you have a panel view or any product that's been discontinued, it will say discontinued and not really give you any more information. And for me, that's an incomplete database. So what I've done is I've created a tool to kind of beef up that for HMI where I've taken all of the panel view families from the past to the present and I've divided them based on certain information and then I created a primary and secondary replacement option. So I divided them by user interface. So whether it's a touchscreen, a keyboard, or both, then I divided them by size and panel view family. So the older families, the panel view component terminals, the 600s, 800s, all the way through the 1400s, and the oldest new family, which are the panel view plus sixes, all the way up to the panel view plus seven, and so I've divided them by that. I've also found out the um, the screen count, the amount of screens that they are able to fit in with new information, as well as what their communications protocol is. So whether they're Ethernet, Control Net, RS two thirty two, there are a lot of different um, a lot of different cables different kinds of cables that are run where machines can communicate with each other so that information is pretty important um also what controller that they use because a lot of these um, are running diagnostics for machines that are hooked up to a certain process in a manufacturing site and so we need to make sure that we have the right controller for that also the operating system so What computer everything? What computer software hooks up to? Whether it's Microsoft Office or Microsoft um, Manufacturing CE, which is there. There are a lot of Microsoft software that are only for machines and sites. So we found that information. Then what I did was I created a primary and a replacement option. And if they needed any kind of accessory, like, a, um, like some of these screens are a lot different than the others, a lot different sizes, so they may need an adapter kit. So if they needed one, I had a, a kit option for the primary and for the secondary. So it's very comprehensive. It took some time. This is definitely the Magnum Opus of my uh, of my internship
0: so did you go into these customers facilities and kind of assess it yourself with what they had and then create some sort of like modernization plan for hmis and all those uh, uh associated uh, products that go with it or did you just create a um, here's a list of if you have this stuff in your facility here's like what you would do
1: well, what I did was I created a I created a tool for these people, for the inside sales people, where they can get access to this um, anytime that a customer needs a repair. So I didn't go out to the site. I used Rockwell Automation's database, and I found, I spent, I don't know how many, Dozens, scores of hours pouring through all of these old PDFs and getting as much information from them as I can, all the way from the earliest panel views to the newest ones as well. And luckily, a lot of these PDFs have um, conversions to the panel view plus sixes and sevens. It's just not everyone has them. So there were a lot of times when I needed to speak to a salesperson. There were a lot of times when I needed to speak to AIM services. And AIM services are one of the initiatives that KP has where they specifically work with modernization. So AIM is short for assess, improve, mitigate, and modernize. And they actually go out to sites and they do what's called a base evaluation where they do a um, they go out to the field, they collect information, and they go on their machine, check out their HMIs, check out their operating system. Then they process it and they deliver a um, life cycle management, um, not only status, but a, um, a kind of um, a system where they not only assess it, but they create migration services. So they transition the company to upgrade. So they say um, if a customer says in a year or two, we want to be completely updated with all of our systems, machines, we'll send someone out, collect the information, we'll process it, and then we'll create a plan for them so that they can, um, over time, upgrade their system. Because you don't want to do it all at once. Um, you can actually plan out your downtime. I didn't know that was something you could do. I always thought that downtime was an accident that cost companies $50,000 every single day. But it can be planned out. Um, and that's, that's really impressive. Not only that it can be planned out, but we have created a system where we can implement plans, downtime to upgrade a customer's system. So we can go out there on a Saturday when they're not even open and just install new machinery and upgrade their systems and run everything before they start to use it themselves.
0: Yeah, Good point. Downtime uh, is only expensive when it's unplanned, (laughs) mainly because you got all your workers there not working, shipments that need to go out. So people waiting for those shipments and all this other stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, No, that's cool. And from from what you found on there, from all this research, what what do you think is the most common example of what like we have this uh, HMI or operation? operator in their facility that Mm -hmm. needs to be upgraded and what is that upgrade
1: the most common one um that is a really interesting question there's not necessarily a most common one what i have found are common reasons why someone would not want to upgrade in general Um, whether they're getting uh, because the way the way that i've seen it because this is an initiative for rockwell automation i'm a little bit biased i kind of see the other hmi providers as competition so there are a lot that have cheaper prices and cheaper quality so they can be replaced over and over because they break easily but you they're a third of the cost because they're not as high quality, um, but they're not getting attention to details. So we really sell them on the software, the bells and whistles of the of the newer panel view, the panel view fifty three hundred family. They're designed to work with. Rockwell controllers and Rockwell communication protocols. So you can use a, you can get something from a competitor or even from Rockwell Automation and have the same communication system, the same operating system. It's just not going to work as well as the Panel V5000 family because it's designed to work with that. So you have runtime diagnostics, you have um, Studio 5000, which is the development software that is a lot faster. So you can develop some things while you're on the screen next to the machine instead of actually going to the computer. Really high-grade stuff.
0: Why would you tell a customer to upgrade now? Right. Instead of like, keep waiting. And these are the features that are on these new panel views and HMIs that, uh, that you need now and that you're going to get a return on it now.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Matt, that's, that's a really good question. Uh, you, what we want to do more than anything is avoid downtime. And that's the biggest reason. You're going to have a higher chance of downtime if you don't have the upgraded system, the upgraded software, upgraded machine. If your panel view is in a critical application, so you need this machine more than all of the other machines in your manufacturing site because it has a very critical process. That's the reason why you would upgrade Uh, If your staff is inexperienced, it's a good idea to upgrade because you don't want to continue to train new people on obsolete software, and that's a really bad idea because then when you finally upgrade, no one knows how to use it, and you're going to rely on contractors to figure out all of your stuff. Also, with the newer systems, there are better opportunities for, for people to get training, for staff to get training. Um, there are online tests that you can take where it gives a general idea of the knowledge base of your, um, of your staff, and you can create training implementations for them over time. Also, if you want to take advantage of technology advancements, So any analytics, um, data collection, operational efficiency of your equipment, if you want to predict uptime, if you want to predict production, then you definitely want to get the newest software and the newest HMI because the old ones, they just don't, they don't collect data. They show you data. Hmm. They don't predict production. They show you what is being produced at this moment, and they don't tell you, hey, this machine is getting kind of run down. You might want to do some diagnostics near next downtime. You might want to replace it in the next two or three weeks. There's, There's a lot that you can take advantage of with the newer things, and what you can expect after migrating is reduced maintenance costs increase speed to market, increase data availability and security. It improves the process capacity, the quality of your product. And the biggest thing is decreasing downtime and the duration of the downtime. Because, let's face it, losing a huge amount of money within a day or two or more depending on how quickly you can get the newest thing, the newest machine, it really, really stinks. It's, it's something that you really want to avoid. So I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there at the end because you, you, really, you really want to avoid that. But more importantly, you want to find something that works for you as a client Um, You don't want to just get the newest thing. You want to get the most efficient thing for you because obviously there are some companies that are operating pretty decently using older software, and they may not want to expand. They may just be a mom and pop, and they're doing fine the way that they are. So it may not be an HMI that needs to be upgraded. It may just be their system so that they can run a little bit faster so that they can get more out and get a percentage increase on their production. There's all of these little things that you can do when you have a conversation with the customer about how they want to upgrade because we can give them all the bells and whistles if they don't know how to use it, if they don't want to use it, they're probably not going to use it. And you definitely don't want to give them a survey afterwards because maybe 23% of surveys get filled out.
0: <laughs> if, that's a generous number that if, if you're yeah. not, if, <laughs> if you are not convinced after that answer, you do not have a pulse. RL, are you, a, Ooh, you're, you're an intern. I praise. You're an intern oh, and a junior now. in for college. Now. That is a
1: well. I'm I'm non traditional. <laughs> I've, I've worked a couple of years after after I, <laughs> yeah. And I know it sounds smart, but I've done some crazy things. I dropped out when I was a theater major after a semester. I was really good, and I thought, hey man, I'm gonna take Hollywood by storm. I I kind of did everything that I wanted to do my first couple of. Years in high school and college, so I was doing odd jobs because I was kind of running around aimlessly. But coming back into school, I started school again when I was 22. So now I'm 26. So I have a pretty good perspective on why manufacturing companies should have the best in automation, because automation is really what what helps you going these machines are the lifeblood of your, of your profit. So why wouldn't you get the smartest profit?
0: Yeah. The, the analytics piece um, is quite possibly the most important part of that too. And that's, you know, that's an integral part of what smart manufacturing is. And the HMI is somewhat that's forgotten for sure. when people uh, start talking about this aspect of manufacturing and, and, that's critical. That's where you actually get the data and analytics and put it into usable format and visual and visualize it. Um, For sure. So, awesome stuff. Um, did you ever get into like a thin client when you're talking HMIs to customers?
1: Um, say that one more time.
0: Thin client. So, uh, do you know anything about thin clients? Thin manager.
1: Uh, I have probably I have probably operated with it without knowing that
0: it was. Yeah, you probably have. Um, and my understanding is it's, uh, it's the way you kind of centralize all your HMI visualization to kind of make it uniform across all HMIs in your plant, assign users and admins, Mm -hmm. um, to different ones, uh, and everything like that. So, um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's something we can talk about later, but man, I'm super impressed with that.
1: I've heard about that. That's, that deals more with the um with the communications protocol, how everything is hooked up together. Yep. But yeah, there's a lot of interesting coordination with all of that. Yeah. Very, yeah. very interesting. And that's that's a whole talk within itself. Just the coordination of machines at the site.
0: Can someone get a hold of you and how can they find out the stuff that you did in this project?
1: Oh, you can you can get a hold of me at KP Pine Bluff. Um we're we're the number one site at Pine Bluff. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Not too many people get out um, to Pine Bluff, yeah. do they?
1: Not a lot of people. We're we're really the unsung heroes of Arkansas because like I said, with me there are three people at the um at the site right now. Um so it, it gets pretty crazy in the afternoon, but it's, it's definitely one of the most exciting and fulfilling jobs that I've had. Just working around the city where I've gone to school all of these years and seeing how many people really depend on us for products. It's great. It's great. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be working here, um, throughout the school year as well. Um, the internship was really just getting my foot in the door. I, I love the culture of KP. Um, I am a family man. I have a big family myself, and I'm dating. And so I look around at all of the people that work at the company, that have um, that are married, that have a house, that have kids. And it's a lot. It's it's definitely a family company, and I could see myself working at KP Electric for a very long time.
0: Well, be proud of Pine Bluff. Be proud of what you've done during the internship. Um, it's awesome. Uh, look forward to seeing more of what you do, and I'd uh, love to see some results from uh, the Panel View project that you guys did. And and it's an important project, and it's something that you know we talk about, but no one sometimes does. Uh, until you know someone like you goes and does it, so uh, one last question. Um, so from this internship and working with this project what what is something that you learned from our customers that you didn't know?
1: One thing that I learned from the customers that I didn't know. if you do your job right as a distributor, you can have a very good relationship, not just on paper. There are a lot of customers that come in that have been coming in for years. So they know, they know the people. They know what's going on in the family. They, um, they check up on us to see, see how things are going. Um, we have real and interesting and hilarious conversations about um, people in the office, um, especially if someone is uh, doing something really interesting. Like, everybody knows about the gossip. This is really a um, mom-and-pop area, so we get treated like everybody's mom-and-pop.
0: Awesome. Hey, well...
1: That and also um, Paper Mill's Smell really bad. There are a lot of paper mills in the Pine Bluff area, and they're some of our biggest, um, some of our biggest customers. So I'd probably go to a paper mill, if not every day, every other day. And it's uh, it's it's very, it's a profound smell. It's <laughs> it's very very interesting. And that's, <laughs> and that's definitely something I'm gonna take away from this internship. Because so
0: can you invent I, something yeah. to? So you need to invent something to turn paper mills into smelling good.
1: I don't know. Whatever the output
0: is at those facilities, turn it into a just wonderful, amazing smell. So that's your next project. Um, Well, I really appreciate you being on, letting us know about uh, your internship project, uh, getting to meet you. I will be seeing you uh, next week at uh, the Rayotum in Little Rock, which is the Rockwell Automation on the Move. And if you are not signed up out there... um, at least for those in the Arkansas area, do it. It's free. And, uh, it's, uh, the 22nd, 23rd of next week. Um, we will both be there. I might, to interview Ariel again, um, about some good stuff. Yeah, Cause this it's, guy,
1: it's going to be really fun. There's going to be some HMI's there.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, the, the stuff that you should upgrade to according to Ariel. So, um, yeah, thanks again. And, uh, Uh, Hopefully we'll talk soon. I'm I'm sure I'll have you on, like I said, next week, and uh, we'll go from there. So really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure.
0: Well, that was Ariel from Arkansas. And this was the Connect Together Podcast with Justin Brunkin, uh, your host that, that tries to know what he's talking about, but so, most of the time doesn't. That's why you bring on experts like Ariel and Dan Messina and all these Josh Angles, all these awesome people around the country that work with our uh, network of locations. Um, you know, our Ariel's in our Keith Lee Patterson locations in Arkansas. You know, we have Royal uh, Industrial Solutions out in California, CES up in the Northwest, Um, CEDs around the country So we have so many of these uh, different locations That we have uh, About 80 that focus only on the industrial Manufacturing world out there And in this podcast Trying to bring you You know insight and Information and stories that Hopefully will help you uh, And what you do in the facility And and factory to hopefully make your job uh, Easier, better Just learn and discover Um so hopefully you like it. If you do, uh, please share with everyone out there. Uh, if you haven't already, subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. You can search for the Industrial Solutions Network Connect Together podcast. And uh, we're going to continue to do these on a regular basis to try to find more experts. Uh, like we said, this is going to uh, hopefully be live at uh to get some really cool interviews from the uh, the suppliers that we deal with in Rockwell Automation and people that know what the heck they're talking about more so than me, that's for sure. I just lead the conversation and hope it goes somewhere nice, I suppose. So again, this is Justin Bronken, Thanks for listening and uh, we'll be back soon. Thanks. Take care.